Hey there, literary fans, and welcome to Jeff Reads His Book, where we explore a book written in a month together. I am your host, Jeff Armstrong, and we are reading Bringing Balance, also by Jeff Armstrong. Um, I'm glad I still have a few listeners. I've been looking at some of the download stats from our server. It looks like I have maybe 75 or 80 downloads of this podcast. I don't think I account for that many of them, actually, because I don't download my own episodes. I'm listening to them before I post them, thank God. Not that I actually edit this podcast at all, so um, that's good. I'd say if we get some downloads, even though we don't have, uh, I don't promote this podcast in the slightest, I think, I don't know exactly how I would promote this podcast. I was thinking maybe Reddit, they have a podcast subreddit I could probably mention this on. I'm not sure how good, like, the quality is. I don't want, like, a flame war of, like, oh, my God, get a better microphone, because that's just not going to happen. This is not a podcast that's made to make money. You know what I mean? So if you do want to contact me uh, at Jeff Reads His Book, I am Jeff again, and you can contact me uh, on Twitter at Fortran Jeff, on Mastodon in the Fediverse there at jba at mastodon.sdf.org or by email at jba at sdf.org. I still struggle with the fact that I'm using like personal accounts for this, but you know what? At some point, I got to just say, this is all this podcast is going to be. I bought a domain. I have a server serving it up. What else could I possibly do? Especially because... This is not a career choice. I don't know if you could tell, but this isn't the highest quality content. I think it's pretty hilarious, though. Um, I think anybody who writes a book in a month, if they think it's a good book, is crazy. And this book is no exception. It is not particularly great. But today, we are moving into Chapter 4. So, last week, we looked at Chapter 3, and I believe it was the chapter where... Our protagonists, Aaron, or, or perceived protagonists, excuse me, right? Ooh. Our perceived protagonists, Aaron and Henry, actually entered the world of magic finally, right? They passed through a bakery in some poorly, I don't know, I guess it wasn't that bad. I think I mentioned that in the last podcast, that it wasn't that bad a chapter. I just think it's a little lazy myself, I mean... Why was it a bakery in the woods? If you haven't listened to episode three, um, let me catch you up here. Aaron is some sort of high school girl who is now traveling to the world of magic with uh, a mage named Henry. And here we go. That's all we need for background, I think. So chapter four today is five pages long. And the most exciting part of Chapter 4 is we're going to meet a new main character. Yay! This is probably my favorite character in the whole book. I used to think I liked Henry, but his, uh, what do I want to say? He doesn't seem to care about everybody else around him or understand that he's causing problems. And I'm basing that solely on his abandoning two cars now in this book. Uh, I don't think we'll have any more of that, because they're going to be in the world of magic now, right? And they probably don't have cars. So this character uh, that we're going to see today 
This is her first appearance in the book. Ooh, I gave that away, right? It's a she. It's her first appearance in the book. I don't know if this is the best chapter about her. I think it kind of sets the tone a little bit, but uh, it doesn't do her justice, I think. This is going to be exciting, though. I was really looking forward to this. I think I mentioned last week that chapters 4, 5, and maybe 6 are going to be pretty good. I think these are some of the better chapters in the book. I actually kind of thought of these beforehand when I was writing this book. Um, and I think these ones are a little more fleshed out, you know? I think after these chapters, we're going to get to some dull times in the book. But we'll see, we'll see. I, we're, we seem to be moving along at a good clip. I don't know that the book is really that sparse. Um, again, though, today, we do have to keep track. I decided last week that we did encounter the word waste once, right? And it was spelled correctly. And I have warned us, our listeners here that we're going to see the word waste far too much in this book. So we're going to keep a counter of that. I think that seems uh, important. The first spelling of it, though, very important, was spelled correctly. That's exciting because it's spelled incorrectly most of the time. I guess, uh, anyway, we can just get started into this book. I don't really see much else to talk about. Uh, there's been no feedback, not surprising. And uh, you know what? I keep checking Twitter because Twitter sends you an email when you have a notification. And I'm like, oh my god, somebody listened to the podcast. They want to hear about it. And every time I go to Twitter, it's some idiot post like, oh, Microsoft's tweeted about its freaking new line of mice. It's so dumb. So, Twitter, you can go to hell, and I would like that to actually work. Um, but you can contact me there. I do check it, I don't know, maybe two or three times a week. And I'm usually disappointed, so if it was a listener, that would be, quite frankly, shocking. You can always send me an email, too, uh, and I always check those. I would love to respond to some of them, and I'd actually read them online if you're interested, so... Uh, for new listeners, before we get started, if you're interested in reading along with us, you can go to jeffreadshisbook.com and actually buy either a print or an ebook copy of this masterpiece that was written in 30, 30 days, 31 days, wait, 30 days, half September, April, June, and November. 30 days! I should have known that. All right. So anyway, let's get started with Chapter 4 of Bringing Balance. Okay, so Chapter 4. We're on page 19 of the book right now, of the print book. And if you're re oh my god, if you're using the e-book, I guess you're on Chapter 5 because the goddamn prelude isn't spelled done right. I did want to point out, though, that we are on page 19 of 170. So we've passed 10% of this story. So is everybody really, like, sold on it so far? I don't think it's a bad story, but we'll see. It, we'll see. Here we go. Oh, and with Chapter 4 today, I am again drinking Wild Turkey on the Rocks. I think I need this for the these... Uh, these chapters, but it, it loosens it up. A little liquid lubrication. I guess most lubrication's liquid. A little, yeah, mental lubrication. How about that? Hmm. Okay. Chapter four. Henry munched on a croissant as he led Aaron out of the forest. 
He had been glad the shopkeeper accepted dollars because he knew his coin supply was severely limited. As the trees thinned and gave way to pastures, Henry stopped to open the duffel bag. From inside, he pulled two cloaks, his older brown cloak and a far dressier black cloak. He looked at the black garment and handed it grudgingly to Aaron. You can wear the nice one. It should be okay. I don't really have any other clothes for you, though, so just try to keep the cloak closed. Off-worlders tend to stick out like a sore thumb, Henry said. Off-worlders, she asked, while trying to figure out just how to wear the cloak. Off-worlders... Try that again. Off-worlders, people not originally from the world of magic... Oh, that's a sentence fragment. All right, but it's dialogue. I guess that's fine. Off-worlders, people not originally from the world of magic. There aren't a lot of printed t-shirts and jeans here, he explained. Once he had... Ah, damn it. All right, already hit a typo. Once the had both donned their outerwear... I think that's once they had both donned their outerwear. Once the had both donned their outerwear... Henry continued to lead her across the open field. Where are we headed? Aaron asked. Not far from here. Maybe another hour's walk is the town of Sandhill. We should be able to stay at the inn tonight. Then we'll continue on to the temple. The temple? Sure, the overlooked temple. Plenty of help there for us. They might be able to figure out what all the fuss is about. Is that far from town? she asked. Not really. Maybe another hour or two walking. Ugh. Not really. Maybe another hour or two walking, he responded. He considered the possibility of going tonight, but he worried that he might not know anyone there. Worse, he might know one person very well. Ooh, foreshadowing. He shook his head to clear the thought. Tomorrow had a very strong chance of being a terrible day. Once they started walking again, Aaron tried to make tried making conversation. Why did you end up leaving here? Things seem nice. Henry thought about his answer for a moment. It just wasn't the life I wanted. Always fighting and working. I just up and left. When did you leave? she pressed. About a year ago. I guess you never come to visit then, she concluded. Henry turned to her, surprised. How did you... dot dot dot... I just guessed by your first reaction to me, Aaron interrupted. You made it quite clear that you didn't want to come here. She paused before asking the obvious follow-up. Why didn't you want to come back? Henry couldn't help but frown at the question. It's complicated, he said, hoping the line of discussion had ended. Drinking break! When I have a drinking break, the amount of, like, dead air time on the recording looks so long, but I don't think you guys mind, right? If there's anybody listening, which there probably shouldn't be, because, my God, this this podcast, this book, whew. All right, let's get started again. <clears throat> Eventually, Aaron saw distant plumes of smoke. As they walked... First, chimneys rose from the ground, then roofs, and finally a collection of structures that comprised what she assumed was the town of Sandhill. 
The low buildings and homes had a distinct look of a medieval village in Aaron's eyes. Some buildings appeared to be constructed of stone, some of wood, and all of them featured thatch roofs. The little village did seem to exhibit some sprawl, and Aaron lost count of how many buildings were visible as more appeared on the horizon. In the end, she guessed that about 50 cottages and building constituted the town. Cottages and building. When, Her- when Henry finally led her down one of the streets on the outskirts, the sun had disappeared over the horizon behind the two travelers, bringing a gradual twilight. Many of the homes had gas lamps, although some had odd globes that glowed an eerie yellow. She studied the handful of people they passed once in the village. Many did wear cloaks similar to hers. Most simply wore plain buttoned shirts, pants, or dresses, all utilitarian and complementary to the surrounding architecture. That was a lot of big words, huh? That's... See, you don't want big words in a National Novel Writing Month book because it's all about the number of words. So you're just doing extra work if you write these complementary surrounding architecture. These words don't buy you anything in uh, National Novel Writing Month. You know what I mean? They soon came upon what appeared to be a main road, and Henry steered them southerly along the road. Southerly, uh, the right word to use there? I think just south would have been fine. Small shops lined the street, some still open and illuminated in the early evening. Pedestrians hustled in both directions along the road, some loud and boisterous celebrating the end of the day, others tired and quiet, looking forward to an evening at home. Along the main road, most of the... (sighs) Along the main road, most buildings were built of stone and stood at least two stories tall, Henry pointed down the street to indicate their destination, a large stone building with a thatch roof, wooden shutters framing large windows, and an inviting sign depicting a pig standing upright holding a bottle and a sword with the words, The Surly Swine Inn, above the comical figure. I used to know the owner, Henry said. Guess he's bragging there. Aaron raised an eyebrow. The Surly Swine? We're spending the night there? It's actually quite nice. I think you'll find it pleasant inside. A handful of people stood outside the door to the inn. Henry led the way through the saloon doors, and Aaron followed, but not before noticing that one of the men seemed to recognize Henry. His mouth had fallen open as Henry passed, and he continued to stare in amazement at the doors after he disappeared. He took no notice of Aaron, which actually helped ease her nerves as she pushed aside the swinging door. Inside the dimly let me uh, let me take a little breather here. All right, and we'll keep moving along. These are some thick, no dialogue paragraphs right here. Hmm. Inside the dimly lit room, Aaron was first surprised at the savory smells floating through the air. Whatever this world was like, Aaron's nose assured her that she would eat well. The interior was filled with people. To her right, a bar stretched almost the entire length of the room, and men and women stood crowded against it. The rest of the room featured tables, which had crowds of people as well, and booths against the remaining two walls. 
Uh, I think we're short a wall. I guess one wall is where they came in, right? All right. Drinks seemed to flow. To her left, a staircase led upwards, presumably to the rooms for rent. Henry said, I'll try to get us a table and something to eat, as he started towards the bar. Aaron tried to take in the surroundings as she followed behind Henry. He had some pushing and squeezing to do before arriving at the bar. He waved to a bartender unseen to Aaron, who remained behind him. Oh, she remained behind Henry. Okay, sorry. With the unfamiliar crowd beginning to close back in around them, Aaron was pushed almost to the bar herself. This place is packed, she exclaimed while looking around the room. Henry turned to face her. Yeah, I didn't expect this large a crowd yet. I wonder what time it is. Instinctively, Erin reached into her pocket to check her phone. When she pulled the device out, she was surprised to find an almost sandy substance coating the exterior. Upon looking at the phone, she gasped. Henry looked at her phone and smiled. I told you not to bring anything electronic here, he scolded. What's wrong with it, Aaron asked, referring to the bursts of color that continued to appear on the phone screen. And what's all this powder? That powder is your phone's innards, Henry responded. High-tech gadgets tend to break down into powder when they are when exposed to magic. The colors on the screen are just the residual magic as it slowly destroys it. But this phone cost a shitload, she complained as Henry turned back to the bar. When she looked up from the broken phone, Aaron was shocked to find a black-haired woman staring wide-eyed at Henry. She appeared to be about Henry's age, maybe slightly shorter than the mage. The woman wore an all-black shirt and pants under her all-black cloak. In combination with her large brown eyes, Aaron found the entire impression somewhat unnerving. Without even noticing Aaron, the woman's face changed from surprise to a... Without even noticing Aaron, the woman's face changed from surprise to a a look approaching disgust. That's right, two A's. Henry McCallum, she said slowly. Looking back at Henry, she saw his head drop and his eyes close as he let out a deep sigh. Without turning, he replied, Hello, Margot. Pausing, the mage continued. What are you doing here? Aaron turned to see the anger in Margot's eyes. What am I doing here? I thought you were to, quote, never return, the woman responded sarcastically. Henry began to turn, saying, listen, Margot. Margot interrupted. No, it doesn't matter, she finally turned to Aaron quickly, examining her, before returning her angry eyes to Henry, who no-faced her. I think we mean now-faced her. And who have you brought with you? Someone you've met off-world that you wanted to show around? Margot, it's not like that, he said in a resigned tone. Again, she interrupted. It doesn't matter to me, Henry. Just make yourself scarce. I don't need you messing up my life. With that closing statement, the black-haired woman turned and walked away. Henry groaned and turned back to the bar. Who was that? asked Aaron. That was the reason I didn't want to come back, he said in a clearly angry voice. 
That was the reason I didn't want to come back, he said in a clearly angry voice. That was much angrier. I think that was better. A husky man approached the two as Henry hung his head dejectedly. His grin grew to a toothy smile as he said, Henry, is that you? Well, I'll be damned, he exclaimed. Henry forced a smile, responding, How are you, Aaron? I've been good. Businesses, well, look around, he laughed. Oh, did you see Margot? She's around here somewhere. We ran... We ran into her, yeah, Henry grudgingly admitted. The large bartender noticed how uncomfortable Henry had become. Ah, sorry, Henry. I forgot for a second. Did you want something to eat? Yeah, and a couple drinks. Is there a private table left? We'll also need a room, if that's okay. Of course, there should be a table left against the back wall. I'll bring everything over, and we'll have a room set up for you. Thanks, Aaron, Henry graciously said. He led Aaron back to... He led Aaron to the back, who had been... Oh my god, this sentence is terrible. Let's try to work through this. I can't read it naturally, because it's... It's atrocious. He led Aaron to the back, who had been contemplating the exchange between Henry and the woman named Margot. Comma. As they arrived, the bartender appeared as well, with two sizable mugs in one hand and two large bowls of stew in another. He placed them on the table and said, Room three is all set for you. Here's the key. He placed a large key between Henry and Aaron. "'What do I owe you, Aaron?' Henry said, Henry asked. "'Nothing, Henry, nothing. "'It's just good to have you back here,' he replied and walked away. "'Aaron tentatively raised a spoon of the dark brown stew towards her mouth. "'The savory smell was tantalizing after the long day's hike. "'Wait, I got that backwards. "'The savory smell was tantalizing after the day's long hike.' She was again pleasantly surprised when she tasted the stew. The pair both ate hungrily at their bowl's contents. After satisfying her stomach, Erin decided to venture back into conversation. Did something happen between you and Margot? I really don't want to talk about it, he replied between spoonfuls of stew. She tried to change the subject. Do a lot of people here know you? Henry simply shrugged. Aaron clearly saw that the mage was annoyed beyond the ability to converse, so she decided to stop trying. I'm going to get some fresh air. I'll be right back. Henry barely acknowledged her. She walked back through the crowded room, dodging packed tables, drunk patrons, and waitresses dancing around the obstacles carrying food and drink. Huh? That's some good setting, I think. She stepped out into the cool night air and breathed deeply. She admitted to herself that there was something pleasant about the atmosphere in this world, but she but she could quite put her finger on it. <laughs> she walked along the inn's front porch with her hands in her pockets, one now filled with the powder that had been her phone, and studied the quaint street. Fewer people were out as the night grew later, and many of the interior lights had been extinguished. 
When she arrived at the corner of the inn, she heard a faint sobbing from the adjoining alley. Peeking around the corner, she could make out the outline of a woman weeping softly with her face in her hands. "'Excuse me, are you okay?' Erin asked softly. The crying woman turned her head, then ran the opposite direction deeper into the dark alley. Erin saw the black hair flowing behind Margot as she disappeared. "'What have I gotten into?' Erin mumbled to herself as she headed back inside the inn. "'Let's try a mumble, right?' "'What have I gotten into?' "'Could you guys hear that? I, that was a mumble. All right.' When she arrived back at the table, Henry pointed towards the stairs, and the two retreated to a small room with two beds to sleep. Thank God, because that could be statutory rape. As she lay in bed, Aaron considered telling Henry what she had seen, but thought the better of it. He did not seem particularly open to discussing the matter earlier, and she saw no need to pursue it. And that ends chapter four. I hope you enjoyed that chapter. The big surprise there is we finally got to meet Margot. She is one of the main characters of Bringing Balance, and as I said, my favorite. We didn't get to see much of her, just that she basically hates Henry. I think that's pretty clear, and Henry doesn't seem to be a fan of Margot. So we'll have to see in future chapters what happens. Since I said she's a main character, you should expect her to come back. That wasn't a bad chapter. I think maybe I was trying to make it look like Henry was like a well-known mage because people kind of recognized him in a few instances and he didn't have to pay for his food and drink bill. That's pretty impressive, right? But it, apparently Margot was known too. The bartender knew who she was and it sounds like she might be a local, right? So we'll have to watch and see what happens in uh, these later chapters. I think that chapter was pretty fun, though. We got our first glimpse of Margot. We got a little feel for the tension between Henry and Margot. Uh, I think Aaron was left out to dry a little bit in this chapter. We got to see a softer side of Margot. She was angry, then she was crying in an alley. You know, it's pretty exciting. Pretty exciting, right? So let's move on to discussion questions. As usual, I have three of them, listeners. So if you do have any answers to these discussion questions, feel free to contact me, right? I'm on Twitter at Fortran Jeff or on Mastodon in the Fediverse at JBA at Mastodon.sdf.org. Or you can always email me at jba at sdf.org. All these links are available on our website at jeffreadshisbook.com. Do you guys like how I say the plural, our website, even though it is clearly just me doing this? There is no producer and editing team behind this podcast, or promotional team for that matter. So, let's do our discussion questions. First question... Henry and Erin went to an inn called the Surly Swine Inn. If you had a medieval-style inn, what would you name yours? I think Surly Swine was pretty good. It should be some sort of, like, adjective with an animal. You know what I mean? Something that'll go well on a sign. I think a Surly Swine. That, that works. That works. If you have any good ideas, let me know. Second question... When they sat down for dinner, 
they had apparently some sort of stew. What are your opinions of stew? I know when I go out to dinner, I don't want stew. But actually, I guess that rule doesn't, that's not, doesn't hold fast. I've had like some Irish stews at restaurants, like Irish pubs. That can be good. But generally, I'm not doing stew. I remember when I was younger, my mom told me she used to work at her mother's diner. This was ages ago. And, uh, yeah, you know what? It basically comes down to you want to stay away from things like stews, meatloaf, at any restaurant, because, yeah, you know, some leftovers might get put into those. You know what I'm saying? Just think about it, okay? Think about what's in your meatloaf next time you order it and how easy it would be to disguise, I don't know, a half-eaten dinner roll or maybe a hamburger bun. Think about that. And our third question. So Henry and Aaron dine together. And as we know from the first chapter, Aaron is a high schooler, right? And uh, this book does take place in the U.S. Does that help? I'm, I think my lack of accents should have made that clear. Anywho, so they sit down for dinner and they're given two big mugs and two bowls of beef stew. This is an inn, you know, in a medieval-style inn, so I'm guessing it's not apple juice in those mugs. So, is Henry encouraging underage drinking? I believe he is. He could get in a lot of trouble. You know what? This whole night is trouble for him, right? He's sleeping in the same room as a teenager. They did have separate beds. Huh? Come on. Now, let's be fair. But he's giving her alcohol and then going up to a room. Ooh, this is some questionable stuff right here. But we'll have to see. I don't think there's anything going on between them. That is, of course, some lame foreshadowing from the author of the book who actually knows what happens in this story. So I hope you all enjoyed episode four of Jeff Reads' book and chapter four of Bringing Balance, a fabulous book written in a month. Uh, again, please try to contact me. I love hearing from listeners. Uh, uh, I would mention it if I had been contacted by a listener, but that hasn't happened yet. I don't even care if you just say, hey, your podcast sucks, because that'd be pretty funny, too. I'm not doing this in any sort of professional setting. I'm in my basement, and I think that's why you hear that echo when I do this. I'm on to my second glass of bourbon for this podcast, but I'm going to wrap up before I get anywhere near finishing it. So I hope everybody enjoyed today, and... We'll see you next week with Episode 5. Chapter 5 should be exciting. I believe Margo is back in it again. We'll get to see some more of our main characters. Now we're going to have a, a triumvirate of main characters in this story. Getting exciting. So until then, keep on reading! <laughs>